0: Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening.
1: All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open them to the book of Colossians. If you're not sure where Colossians is, it's in the New Testament after Acts, some of those smaller books there. And so we have a, this is a new message series called Greater Than, and what we're going to do is just walk through the book of Colossians, a passage at a time, or a couple passages at a time, and uh, just look at what it says. And, and I know sometimes this can get a little tedious, because I remember we were in Matthew for about three years. <laughs> it took a while. Uh, but these are important because that way when we're going through the Bible on our own and we read this, oh, I remember that. I remember this. And so, but have you ever had people ask you questions like, do the planets really control my life? You know, like horoscopes in the paper. How fun would it be to write horoscopes though, honestly? If you're the guy like, avoid dogs today. Uh, you know, uh, walk backwards through doorways because things are going to happen. If You know, I mean, those kind of things. People were asking those same questions back in the time. Uh, when Colossians was written. Um, People ask questions like, well, do I have to eat certain things to be a Christian? Do I have to do certain things? Do I have to do all these? So we're going to get into some of these questions. Um, I do have a little short video here that we're going to show that kind of introduces it. If you're ever interested, there's a website called thebibleproject.org, and they make little videos to introduce every book of the Bible. Um, So they're pretty great. So this is a little clip here from that.
0: Paul's letter to the Colossians. It was written during one of Paul the Apostle's many imprisonments for announcing Jesus as the risen Lord. And the letter is addressed to a group of people that Paul had never met who made up a church community that he didn't start. This church in Colossae was started by a co-worker of Paul's named Epaphras who was actually from that city. And Epaphras had recently visited Paul in prison and he updated him on how well the Colossians were doing overall. But he also mentioned some of the cultural pressures tempting them to turn away from Jesus. And so Paul wrote this letter to encourage the Colossians to address the issues that Epaphras had raised and then to challenge them to a greater devotion to Jesus. The letter's design and flow of thought are pretty easy to follow. The opening movement focuses on Jesus as the exalted Messiah. Paul then goes on to show how his suffering in prison is for the exalted Jesus. And then he addresses the pressures tempting the Colossians to turn away from Jesus. After this, he explores the new way of life that Jesus' resurrection opened up for them.
1: So that's what we're going to get into today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open to Colossians chapter 1. If you have the YouVersion Bible app... If you hit that little more tab in the very bottom and hit events, you can see our church there. If you put in the zip code, uh, you can see the notes there. And so, guys, what I'm hoping is as we go through the book of Colossians that you'll take notes. You can, some of you write in your Bibles. That's cool. Uh, you can keep a notebook. But then when you go back in, and I would encourage you to read it on your own and study it on your own and, and kind of see how this applies. Because as you can see, this book is very applicable to where we live today. So hopefully you're awake today it's very quiet today Um, but and you're going to follow along so colossians chapter 1 as he said this was written when paul was in prison and he's writing to the church in Colossae. so greetings from paul this letter is from paul chosen by the will of god to be an apostle of christ jesus and from our brother timothy writing to god's holy people in the church of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in christ may god our father give you grace and peace how many of you would like to have grace and peace yeah right We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He's Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us on your behalf. He's told us about the love for others the Holy Spirit has given you, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete wisdom or complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you underline in your Bible, that's a good prayer to underline right there, that God would give us complete knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then... The way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so you can have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So, Lord, we pray you would anoint your word today, that you would speak to us, challenge us, grow us, make us more like you, and apply your word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is a letter that Paul wrote to this church. So, let's look a little bit about who the Colossians were. Who were they? Well, the city of Colossae was a small town, but it had once been a very influential town. So, this was a city that had been growing and prosperous, but then it kind of shrank, A little bit and lost some of its influence because it was one of three towns, uh, Laodicea that we read about in the book of Revelation and also Hierapolis. These were three towns that were kind of on a major trade route. It was a place where east met west. All kinds of people traveled through the area. And so when they came in, what did they bring with them? Different cultures, different ideas, different thoughts. Sounds a lot like living on an interstate, doesn't it? I can tell you, we get some strange people in Lex because of the interstate. Uh, You would not believe the number of people that call us and say, I got kicked off the bus, or I had one guy. He's like, I got in a fight with my girlfriend, and I got out of the car, and she drove off. And I was like, never leave the keys in the car when you're having a fight. But that was beside the point. Um, So this happened. And so it had been growing, but it kind of moved down to a less than influential. But the church in Colossae was still influential enough that Paul wrote them a letter that we still have today. So, can small towns be influential? Absolutely. Can smaller churches be influential? Absolutely. Right? So Colossae was also a small town, but it had metropolitan problems. What does that mean? It mean it had all the same problems as a bigger city. It had a lot of the same things going on. And those problems were leaking into the church. Because of being on a trade route, because of being on a major thoroughfare All kinds of people showed up in town, and they brought their ideas with them. Now, unfortunately, sometimes people show up in a small town, and they have less than pure motives. Um, People were tricking some of the the people in the Colossians church. Some of the people were false teachers, and they were coming into the church and starting all kinds of problems. And that's why Paul wrote this letter, because they were introducing new ideas that weren't biblical, and so Paul was trying to help sort out some of these things with them. Um, it was almost in a crisis mode. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, this is what Paul said to the, the leaders of the church in um, Ephesus. He said, Guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock as church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. This is exactly what was happening in Colossae at the same time. And so Paul is telling us sometimes people come in and they start teaching things that aren't biblical. But how do we know if what they're teaching is not right? We have to know the word, don't we? That's why it's important. We have to, to know the word on our own. And so that's what Paul was writing to these people. And these people are still around. These kind of teachers are still around. Um, So what they were doing is they were introducing different thoughts. One of those thoughts was called Gnosticism, G-N-O, Gnosticism. And it was saying that to know the Lord better, you had to have special knowledge. And where does that special knowledge come from? Those teachers, right? You have to follow me, and I'll show you how to know the Lord better. You can circumvent some of these things. And then others were coming in, they said, you still have to follow the Old Testament religious rituals to really know Jesus. You have to eat a special diet. You have to do special things. You can pay for my program, and I'll help you with those things. You know, all these kind of things were happening in the church. Are those things still going along today? Absolutely. There are still people saying, I'll show you how to know God better. And Paul was telling the people, you don't need any new thing. You just need Jesus. Follow him the way we've taught you how. And so he was telling these people these kind of things. He was trying to help them. And then the church in Colossae, actually, this is a cool thing. It grew from personal evangelism. So the church in Colossae was actually started um, when Paul was working in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was really influential. And two guys from Colossae came to Ephesus to meet Paul and find out what was going on. And so one of those guys was Epaphras they talked about, and another was named Philemon. Have we heard the name Philemon before? There's actually a book in the New Testament written to Philemon that Paul wrote about the same thing. These two men came to Ephesus to see what was going on. They found Jesus. They went back to their hometown and started telling their friends about Jesus. Their friends came to know Christ, and then a church started. Guys, how many of you know God doesn't have to have full-time preachers to start ministries? The Lord doesn't need necessarily full-time missionaries. He uses preachers. He uses missionaries, but he also uses us. Normal, everyday people, guys, you have no idea the kind of things that God will do through you when you're faithful. This guy had no idea he was going to start a church. He was just telling his friends what Jesus did. And so let me encourage you today. Guys, sometimes we we feel like, well, God didn't call me to be a preacher. God didn't call me to be up on the platform. He really can't use me. Oh, yeah, he can. He can use you. Philemon was just a guy who was trying to find a runaway slave at one point. Paul wrote him a book it's still in the New Testament. I wrote him a letter. There's still a book now in the New Testament. Epaphras was just somebody who found Jesus, started a Bible study, so his friends could come and, and start to learn the word, and he started a church through that. So, guys, God can use us in ways we would never understand because God specializes in using ordinary people to do amazing things. And so my prayer today is God's going to stir something up in us that, hey, God can use me. Does he use preachers? Absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> Does he use missionaries? Absolutely. Does he use everyday people? Because God has us right where he wants us. Right? So let's look at a couple things that happened, some miracles that happened in Colossae, and then we'll kind of get into the meat here. There were a couple things that were amazing that happened in Colossae. When Epaphras came back and started telling people about Jesus, the people heard the gospel. When he found Christ, he came back. In Mark chapter 5, there's this great story about a man that Jesus delivered from a demon, or several demons, actually. In Mark five eighteen, it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, No, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. So guys, when God does something in us, what do we need to do? Tell others. And others are going to notice the change in us. I can tell you when, when I go back home sometimes, and you know, I, I don't go all that often because it's a long ways away, when people come by and say, what are you doing now? And I say, oh, I'm, I'm actually a pastor of a church. And they all say, you're what? <laughs> I say, "Ah," yeah. because they knew me before. And you know I was, a, I was a good person, but I wasn't a good person. I didn't know Jesus yet. And they'll say, well, what, what, what kind of church do you pastor? <laughs> I'm like, well, one based on the Bible really? We can tell them. Tell them the things. And that's what Jesus said. Go home and tell people what you've done. Tell people what God has done in you. I love this. There was a a pastor. His name was Walter Wilson. He actually pastored in Kansas City, where the chiefs are. But uh, he was was preaching a message. Kenny lost a little bit of job security with that crack. I'm kidding. So, he was asking his congregation one day, if you were to give a gift that would be suitable for the entire world, what would you give? He then listed several possibilities and showed how those gifts wouldn't suit everybody. He said, you know, you give everybody a book, but not everyone can read, right? You could give food, but people eat different things in different parts of the world. They wouldn't like what you have. They, you could give money, but not every culture uses money. Some trade goods. You could give clothes, but not everyone wears the same kind of clothes. He came to the logical conclusion that only the gospel well, the gift of eternal life is suitable for the whole world. It's the only gift that everyone in the world needs. And that's what we have. And that's what we can share with everybody we come in contact And I'm not saying you have to get up on the break room table and start preaching. It's a good way to lose your job, right? But just tell people, hey, this is what Jesus did in me. This is the hope that I had. This is why I'm, I'm different than I used to be, right? And what the the false teachers were doing, they were coming into people who already knew Jesus and they were trying to lure them away. So just share what Jesus has done in us. And the people of Colossae believed the message of Christ. They were changed by faith in Christ. And here's the thing, we're not not changed, we're not saved, we're not different because we have faith in faith, right? You can have all the faith in the world in faith, it's not going to do any good. What do you have to have faith in? The person of Jesus, right? And have faith in him. They weren't changed by believing a, a set of doctrines. They were changed in believing in the person of Jesus. And sometimes we say, well, you know, God can use me because I can't memorize all those foundational points that, that, that the church believes. I can't. All you have knows who Jesus is and what he's done, right? There was one preacher who was talking to a guy. and said, what church do you go to? I said, oh, I, I go to this church. And He said, well, what do you believe and he said, "Well, I believe what the church believes." And he said, "Well, what does the church believe?" He said, "Well, they believe what I believe." And he said, "Well, what do you believe?" He said, "Well, the church believes." And it's just a circle, right? He didn't really know. And he said, "No, you just you need to know Jesus, and then all that comes through knowing Him. We grow in that. So that's what saving faith really is: is knowing Jesus. So what happened to the believers? And here's the cool thing, guys." Epaphras came back from Ephesus, and he said, hey, this is what Jesus did in me. And he started telling his friends, and his friends started coming, come and say, well, let's, let's study the scriptures together. Let, let's, let's find out what this Jesus is. And so they started a church to do that. And guys, here's the cool thing. Paul was in prison in Rome, a long ways away. What was going on in, in Colossae was so amazing that Paul heard about it all the way in Rome. People were hearing what was going on. Because what? People were sharing. They were telling others, this is what Jesus did in me. And guys, how many times do we, we get the opportunity to tell people what God is doing in us, right? And they, they see that. So they heard the gospel, they believed the message, and then they grew. They started to grow in their relationship with Christ. That word learn that's used in verse 7 is related to the word disciple. And that's, when, that's the same word that they use when people start to follow Jesus. They would actually follow him when they were walking with him. So it's kind of this idea that when we start growing in Jesus, we're really walking with him. We're growing in that relationship. And that's what we need to do, guys. That's why we have to, to get into God's word on our own, right? Is it important to come to church? Absolutely. It's, it's important to be together with your fellow believers. But to really grow, we have to, we have to do this on our own. We have to start, start learning during the week. And so we can do that lots of different ways. We can do it by coming to to week, like the Wednesday Bible studies. We can start doing version plans on our own, reading plans, just reading the Word on our own. They started growing. They did life together. Guys, this is one of the reasons we started doing life groups on Sundays, because it's important to study the Bible what? Together. It's important to pray together with other people. And so the, the Colossians started to grow in Jesus. They started doing life together. The The fruit of the Spirit was evident in their lives. So, let's get into the real, the fun part. Paul started praying for the people in the church in Colossae. And we see this in verse 9. He says, We've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, and all the while you'll grow as you know God better and better. So one of the things Paul did is he started to pray for the Colossians, and this is what I really want to hit on today. The first thing he prayed was for the development of spiritual wisdom and understanding. He said, I want you to know Jesus better. I want you to know what you believe. How do we do that? we spend time with them, right? We spend time with them. We take time. And and guys, I'm not saying you have to spend an hour a day in prayer and Bible study. Start with five minutes. Start before you leave for work. Maybe when you have your your lunch break, you sit in your car and and you read some scripture. You spend time praying. spend time talking to them. Because false teachers are starting to draw people away. And here's the thing, guys. Satan is sneaky, isn't he? If Satan wants to pull you away from the Lord, does he just show up and ring your doorbell? Say, hey, I, I'm the devil. I'd like to take you with me. No. We, we, I'm not going to answer the door. I have a ring doorbell. I can see him standing there, right? You know? It doesn't work that way. What he does is he subverts. He comes in sneaky. And this is what the false teachers were doing. And this is what people still do today. People who have false motives trying to pull people away. This is what they do. They don't show up and just start telling you a bunch of lies that sound like lies. What do they do? They tell us lies that sound like what? Truth. It says, if you want to impress your friends, there's a word called syncretism. And this is what they do. They take a little bit of a lie, and they fit it into some truth. And they make it sound good. And they start pulling you away that way. And how do we counter that? Do we have to know every single false teaching that's out there? No. What do we need to know? The truth. We need to know Jesus. And as we grow in him, we start to recognize, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. You know, when I was in high school and college, I worked retail. Um, I worked at Target and a little bit at Walmart. And when we were doing the cash register, they would, people would start giving out these things called counterfeit bills, right? They would make fake money and bring it. And so we had this training one day because it was in my town in Missouri. There was, there was fake money. Counterfeit money was flooding the market. And they, they were trying to figure out how it came through. And I said, you know, they kind of showed us a video. Like, Here's what to look for in a fake bill, all right? Here's the, f- the special markers. But they said the best way to know a fake bill is just to get to know the real stuff. They said, if you handle enough money that when you get a fake one, it just feels wrong. It looks wrong. There's something wrong with it. And guys, this is the same thing. You don't have to know every false doctrine that's out there. All you have to know is what Jesus has done in us, right, and the truth of his word. And then when someone tries to tell you something that's not true, you say, wait, that that doesn't sound right. I don't don't think that's true. I don't think that's right. And so Paul said, you guys don't need a, a new experience you just need to know Jesus get to know him better get to know his word better so and he said he, he prayed that they have this spiritual knowledge and understanding in Acts twenty two fourteen, 14 um, it says the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak in and, and Ephesians five seventeen, the same Paul says don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do So guys, God makes his will plain to us. He wants us to know him better. And here's the fun thing. God has a plan for each of us. Do we believe that? We've said this many times. He says that he had good works planned in advance for us to do. He's got a plan for our lives. and, And so there's this thing called the general will of God. This is God's will for everyone. And where do we find the general will of God? Here. As we read God's word and get to know him better, we get to know his plan for the world, right? We get to know the plan of salvation, the plan of how we come to know him, the plan of how we grow. And then we sometimes say, well, God, what do you want me to do? We have those things come up. We say, Lord, you know, here's this job opening. Is is this really what you want for me? Here's this, you know, someone asked me to move. Is is this what you want? Or, or, hey, I I got this vehicle that came out. This is, is this your will for me? How do we know that? We get to know him. And here's the thing, the the more we get to know his his will, his general will, the the better we get to know his word, the more we spend time with him, the easier it is for him to speak to us about what he wants specific. Because then there's this thing called the specific will of God for us. And that's what he wants for our everyday lives. And the more we get to know him through his word, the more we spend time with him, we hear his voice, the better we know him. So if you're married and you're trying to figure somewhere to go, what does your spouse say? Where do you want to go eat? What do they say? I don't care. Does that really mean I don't care? Does that mean you have free reign to go anywhere you want? No, because as we get to know our spouse, we know there are certain places you don't go, (laughs) right? And when they say, I don't care, they don't really mean I don't care. They say, I don't care within this realm, right? (laughs) You will not go to this restaurant, but other, you know, these four or five you can pick. (laughs) How do we know those? We know our spouse, right? So when I was a young married person, <clears throat> we were out one day, and there was a certain restaurant called Shoney's. I don't know if you've ever been to Shoney's. It's just a buffet. It's fantastic. I love it. My wife did not. And so we, I was frustrated. She said, where do you want to go? She said, I don't care. And I was like, I'm going to teach her a lesson. So we drove to Shoney's. That was not a pleasant night. And I said, you said you didn't care. She said, I don't care. I said, then fine. She said, but I don't want this but you don't care. I don't care, but we're not eating here. You know, it's just one of those around and around. So I learned over the years that there's these places you just don't go and other places you do, right? So when she says, I don't care, it doesn't mean she doesn't care. It means she doesn't care if we go here. So all that to say, I'm putting myself in jeopardy to help you today, to learn, right? No, she's, she's amazing. We've been married 23 years now, so I, I know those places. Yeah, I know, right? I, I can do math. That's what it is. It's 2001 minus. It's easy. Man, I totally lost my spot. I'm sorry. I, um, no, I'm kidding. So, guys, when we want to know God's specific will for our lives, we spend time with him. And then we get to know him. And it makes it easier when he speaks to us to hear his voice. And sometimes we say, well, I hear people say all the time, well, God is not speaking to me. Well, have you read the word? Well, no, he will. He wants to. So Paul prayed for them to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then Paul prayed for the development of practical obedience. He said he prayed that they would live lives worthy. He prayed that they would grow into that practical obedience. And and all of you that have kids, you know this, right? We want our kids to, to be obedient because what? Because they want to do what's right, because they love us. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to live out his will in our lives and get to know him better, to be practically obedient. In Ephesians 4.1 and also in Philippians 1.27, he says he prays that we walk worthy of our calling and he prays that we walk worthy of the gospel. So this Christian life, guys, this, this Christian walk is a balance. And this is what Paul prayed for the, the Colossian believers. He said, I want you to get to know Jesus better. And as you get to know him better, you walk out this obedience. Because, you know, when we're first Christians, we say, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? What, what is, what's God's rule on this? As you get to know him better, you don't have to think about that as much, do you? Because his desires start to become our desires. We walk in that, right? And so it makes it easier to have this practical obedience. So, so if you're new to the faith, guys, I know sometimes it just feels like, oh my goodness, there's so many rules in the Christian life. But as we, as we grow in Christ, those things just kind of fall out, don't they? We, just, we don't want those things as much anymore. We, we want just to, to please him more, and so we become more like him. The better we obey, the better we know him. The better we know him, the better we obey. And so, and then lastly, he prayed for the development of Christian character. So here's the deal. The, the spiritual knowledge that we have, as we grow in him, we get to know him better. And this, this obedience that, that we live out, those things go together and they translate into Christian character. So in other words, as we get to know Jesus, we start to live this thing out, and that should be evident in our lives. And so Paul prayed for the, the power of the Spirit in our lives. And, and that word power, it's in, it's in verse 13 and 14. He talks about this power to live out the Christian life. We like to talk about, you know, the power of God to do these huge explosive things, right? You know, we love it when, when people come to Jesus and their lives are changed. Absolutely. But then there's also this this spiritual power that just helps us walk this thing out. Because, you know, people say, well, I need the the power of the Spirit to go on this missions trip. I need the power of the Spirit to go to Walmart. I'll just be honest. People test my patience, right? You ever been there? And then so we need that that spiritual power to help us walk out this daily life. And so as, as I was studying for this message, I came across something that was really amazing to me. They were talking about the life of King David. And they said, you know, King David, when he was younger, he had this huge spiritual encounter. Remember, remember what it was? He came across a giant named Goliath, right? David killed this huge giant Goliath. And we always talk about that. It's, like, it's this incredible spiritual victory, and it was. Because Goliath was challenging God, and David said, all right, I'm going to come and get you. I'm a little dude with a sling, and you're this huge guy, and I'm going to come at you, and, and we're going to have this incredible victory. But as David grew... He became king, right? He became the king of Israel. And then there was a revolt. One of his sons actually took the throne from David, and David was exiled. If you read it, it's an in incredible story. David had made some really bad choices, and, and so David was exiled. And so David and his, his family, and uh, part of his family and his advisors, and all these people, they were walking out of Israel. And this guy, Shimei, came up, and he was cursing David. He's yelling at him as he's walking. It's this crazy picture. David and his company are walking out of Israel, and this guy's following along at a distance yelling curses at him because something happened. And this this Bible scholar said, you know, David had this incredible spiritual victory with Goliath, but in this moment, one of David's guys said, please let me go kill him. And he said, just just let me go cut his head off, and I'll, I'll end all this. And David said, what? He said, no, because God is teaching me a lesson through this. And this commentator said, you know, David had an incredible spiritual victory with Goliath, but even bigger was the fact that David restrained his anger against this guy. He said, that to me is a bigger spiritual victory because David was living out the Christian life in the face of adversity. And so, guys, sometimes we look for these huge spiritual victories. God, I want you to, to use me to, to reach my school, and we do. And I, God, I want you to do a miracle in me, Lord. Would you heal this person when I pray for them, or would you do this? But, guys, sometimes the big spiritual victories are the ones we don't really notice. It says God helps us to be faithful to our spouse when we're tempted. It's when God gives us the ability to be a witness at work and to show people what his love is like when we're going through a hardship. And so God is constantly at work, but sometimes we just don't see it as much. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning, and if you're able, would you stand? So one of my professors in, in college, his name was Jesse Moon. He was, a, he was a guy that was kind of one of our preaching and teaching professors. But he was talking about the power of the Spirit. And he said, you know, this, this word, the Greek word that they translate power one of those is dunamis, and that's where we get the word dynamite. So we think of this explosive power of God. But he said, really, the better translation of that word is ongoing power. And so he said, you know, we were in a rural community, he said, how many of y'all have ever driven a tractor? I'm like, oh yeah. What kind of power do tractors have? Are they fast? Dude. <laughs> well, what are they? They have pulling power, they have pushing power. He said, You can hook a tractor up to a plow, you can plow a field. He's like, you can get in a caterpillar tractor, and you can actually push over a train car if you need to. He said, it's just a slow, steady, useful power. He said, really, that's what the Holy Spirit is in us. Sometimes He's explosive, but a lot of times that the power of the Spirit is just that ongoing, Lord, help me today, power. Lord, help me to be faithful. Lord, help me to raise my kids to know you. Help me to share you with my family. Help me to share you with my friends. Help me to live this thing out. And that's the power that we pray for today. So, Lord, we're so thankful today for your word that speaks to us. And we're thankful for what you did in the church in Colossae. And Lord, we're thankful that you're still doing that same work in us today. So Lord, as we're here praying this morning, I just pray you would speak to each and every one of us today in your own way. Lord, would you challenge us to live this Christian life out in the best way that we can to show you to this world. So I'm going to ask you to close your your eyes this morning and and just kind of shut yourself in with the Lord. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor Rex, you've been talking about this relationship with Christ that changes us, this relationship with Christ that forgives our sins, but I've never started that, but I want to start that today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where we're at? I just want to pray this morning. If you're here and say, you know, I really don't have this relationship with Christ, but I don't want to have that. If you're here this morning, and say, you know, I'm realizing as we're talking that I just need better knowledge and wisdom in the Lord I just need to to get to know him better I want to hear his voice better like Paul prayed for the Colossians I want to know when he's speaking to me if that's you would just raise your hand we just want to pray this morning absolutely here this morning you say you know I just want the power of God that you've been talking about to help me be a better servant to be a better follower I just need that that ongoing power in my life I just need God to empower me to do that if that's you would just raise your hand so Lord, we just pray for all those that raise their hands this morning. Lord, I pray for those who said, Lord, I just want to hear your voice better. I want that spiritual wisdom and understanding that Paul prayed for the Colossians. I need that in my life today. Lord, for those that said, Lord, I need you to help me to have the power of the Spirit to overcome temptations, to overcome adversity, to, <laughs> to keep my Christian character strong and to grow in that. Lord, would you help us with all these things today? Lord, help us to live a life worthy of the calling that you put in our lives today and to live this thing out every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close out with a song here. If you need prayer for something, you're welcome to come down the front. Someone will meet you here and pray with you this morning. But would you take time as we close out with this last song just say, Lord, help me to live this thing out.